Hello, I'm Katie Brain, and you're listening to Goodness Gracious Grief. My guest this week is Susie Pelter. Now, back in 2012, Susie Pelter won Lorraine's Cake Club competition with her original cake recipe of a chocolate and banana cake with peanut butter frosting. Since then, she's written her own recipe book, Miracle Mug Cakes and Other Cheap Bakes, which I have had a go at some. They're very good. And she's also a food blogger and demo chef. And most importantly, if you follow Susie on Instagram, you'll be aware of all the supermarkets with the best treats. And Susie, you had a bit of a shopping spree yesterday, didn't you? I did, yeah. I mean, I went out looking for all the latest treats again. It's uh, one of my favourite pastimes, shall we say. (laughs) Do you know what? It's such a joy, like, watching your Instagram stories. And there have been times where I've gone, I need to find that. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think of it as a little bit of fun, a bit of escapism. Talking about food, food has obviously played a big role in your life. Can you take me back mm-hmm. to a time, you know, when you were having family meals as a child? What what did that mean to you? So I grew up in quite a traditional Jewish household. And so for us, Friday nights were the, the nights where we got together and we would always have a meal together. Um, and that would usually consist of chicken soup and roast chicken and potatoes and some form of dessert and it was my favorite night of the week and actually probably still is my favorite night of the week as well have you kind of taken those traditions on to your own family now i have yes i mean you know life is so busy and my kids do a million different activities and so actually friday night is probably at the moment really the one night of the week that we are able to sit down as well so i like to make sure we have the chance to sit down and chat and argue and <laughs> dissect the week and eat together. I don't actually get that chance to sit down with all my family <laughs> that much. <laughs> but I'm sure when we do, there is always an argument, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have sadly lost both your parents, haven't you? Can you tell me a bit about the circumstances surrounding their death? Yeah, so um, I actually dealt with my parents' illnesses for a long time before they actually passed away. Um, About a month or so before I had my first child, my dad collapsed um, completely out of nowhere with no previous health issues at all. And he thankfully um, recovered from this situation. But that was the start of a period where my parents almost tag-teamed being unwell seriously unwell, um, to a point where my mum was diagnosed with lymphoma and um, she passed away in August of 2016. And um, it was actually quite a short period from the moment she was diagnosed actually with the lymphoma to the time that she passed away. And then after that... um, we had a short period where my dad was okay and then he was um, sadly diagnosed with another form of blood cancer and he passed away in March 2019. So there wasn't a huge amount of time between both my parents passing away and I kind of got to the point where I was, I guess, you know, trying to rebuild my life and then was dealing with everything to do with my dad as well. 
That must have been a particularly hard time because you mentioned there, you know, a month before you had your first child and, and your dad suddenly collapsed. Was, yeah. was that like a turning point and you suddenly realise, okay, my parents aren't as young as they, they used to be and you kind of, you get into a different mindset in a way? Yeah, yeah I mean, if I'm honest with you, the, the one thing that I have been most afraid of my entire life, as long as, you know, since I was a little girl, was death. And I used to always worry that my parents were going to die. And then I just remember that when I got the call to say that my dad had collapsed, just thinking now, now of all times, when he's about to have his first grandchild, now is the time that this is going to happen. And um, and that fear of death and that fear of the end was just a constant in my life and only worse when my parents actually were ill and when I was really faced with the prospect that this wasn't just a fear out of nowhere, this actually could happen. You said it was August 2016 when your your mum did pass away. Were you able to be with her? Yeah, so I had foot surgery in July, June or July 2016 and um, I was I mean it'd been a logistical nightmare with three children to work out when I should schedule this surgery and I ended up having to take quite a bit of time to rest and whilst I was in the process of, of having to be on bed rest and well certainly rest with my feet up my mum took a really bad turn for the worst and the actual end with her um was quite a a strange situation in the sense that she was in hospital. I have to remember this timeline because, I mean, I'm sure you know what it's like. It it almost becomes like you're talking about a dream and somebody else's life. It kind of doesn't feel real. Um, But my mum, my mum was struggling to breathe at the end. Unfortunately, both my parents ended up contracting pneumonia and that was actually what killed them both um, and at the point where my mum was really struggling to breathe and they told us that she needed to go into an induced coma we all kind of gathered around her bed and I was wheeled in in a wheelchair um, it was the most ridiculous situation you know I, I we're all trying to make it out like you know it was a, a nice thing we were all getting together but we all knew that there was quite a high possibility that this was the last time we would see her alive. And she was put into an induced coma and she hung on for quite a while. And every member of the family had been to see her except me because I was struggling to move because I was still recovering from my surgery. And um, I phoned my sister one afternoon and I said, I just really think like that she's waiting for me to come She's waiting for me to be there to tell her it's okay to go. And my sister said, if that's what you think, and I think she kind of agreed with me, then, you know, you need to go. Um, so I did. And I remember finding it incredibly difficult because I was now confronted with the, the absolute thing I was most afraid of in the world. And I saw her. She was obviously in the coma so she was sleeping and I I like to think she was aware that I was there I spoke to her 
and I told her that it was okay if she wanted to go. And I phoned my sister and my dad, and they both decided that they would come too. And we were called into what I like to call the room of doom, which is, you know, the room they've got in the hospitals where they tell you the bad news. And um, we were talking with the doctors and the nurses, and they were saying to us, you know, it doesn't look good, but, you know, we're going to try this and we're going to try that. And while they were talking to us, there was a knock on the door and the nurse said, I think you need to come. And we all got there just as my mum passed away. And I, I truly, truly believe that that was how she wanted it to happen. That she was waiting for me to come and that she was waiting for her whole family to kind of say, it's okay, you can go now. Because we all individually did say that. Like, she had no quality of life. It's, it was selfish for us to say, we want you to stay. It was her time. And um, if there's ever such a thing as, as a as a poetic death, and I hope no one takes offence from me, for me saying that, but I feel like that's what my mum had. I am 100% with you. Like, that idea that, that she waited, she she wanted you to be there. She wanted that final, yeah. final movement. And I think that... For for anyone who that does happen to, it it does kind of it is kind of heartwarming in a way that you have that final moment to hold on to. And you said something yeah. interesting at the beginning there, just obviously about the way that you remember it. And I remember when my dad passed away. Um, it all seems like a bit of a blur in my head, but at the same yeah. time, there are moments that are so vivid. It's like yeah. I was watching it from like out of body. Like, I yeah, can replay like, them like a movie. Like it was yesterday in a lot of ways as well. It, it, it transports you back. It does. And you explained your, your mother's death as quite poetic. Was it a similar situation for your dad? No, it, it wasn't similar for my dad, actually. Um, I feel like he witnessed the effect of my mum's death on us. And as I said, I think it was it was absolutely the way that she wanted to go and I believe he chose to do it differently and that's just the way I feel about the situation um I saw him the day before he died I was the last member of the family to see him we had a bit of a ritual because he was in hospital for about a month before he died and I would spend most evenings with him and have dinner with him um and it was a Saturday and I was going out with friends, so I didn't have dinner with him, but I spent the afternoon with him and he was in pretty good spirits and I left him eating his early dinner and I, I left and phoned my sister and the next day was Mother's Day and I said to my sister, you know, it's Mother's Day tomorrow, wouldn't it be ironic if Dad passed away tomorrow, which sounds like a terrible thing to say, but it was just so up and down with him and we were just, my sister and I have a bit of a, dark sense of humor shall we say we kind of that's how we cope with things we, we make light of some situations because it just works for us and and at I think about one in the morning I had a phone call um from my sister who'd had a call from the hospital to say that dad had gone into cardiac arrest and that we needed to get there as quickly as possible and I went into this weird state of 
I just total out of body. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know what I got dressed in. I don't know how I got myself in a cab and there. And by the time he got there, it was too late. He'd already passed away. And I, and I kind of feel like he did that because he wanted to protect us and not have us witness it again. Gosh, yeah. And I feel like, you know, there's, there's something very bittersweet about him going on Mother's Day as well because my sister and I are both mothers. So it, it you know, it, it does tarnish the day for us. Um, but I think it was also his way of being with mum and then saying, I don't know, that it was his, it was his time as well. I, you know, you kind of try and justify these things and, and it, it kind of makes sense and doesn't make sense. But I think we, in the Jewish religion, part, one of the difficulties with mourning is that we follow the lunar calendar. And for the lunar calendar, you have a day of mourning relating to the lunar calendar day that somebody passes away. So, for example, you have a lunar calendar day that you um, you uh, remember the person that died. You obviously have the English calendar day that someone died. And for us, our dad died on Mother's Day. So for us, there's almost three occasions, but this year the lunar calendar day um, matches with Mother's Day as well. So it's, it's, it's very difficult this year, especially because Mother's Day feels like an extra... Um, just an extra hard day, really. You mentioned humour, that you and your sister, you have quite a dark humour and that that's your way, your, your coping mechanism in a way. But looking back at how you reacted and how you, you dealt with grief, was, was yeah. grief kind of what you imagined it to be, especially losing two parents very, very close together? What I didn't expect, and I'm assuming that most people listening to this will have lost somebody or will will hopefully understand, and, that, and I hope this doesn't sound absolutely horrendous, but what I didn't expect was the relief that I felt after my mum died, that she was no longer in pain, that I was no longer dealing with test results and doctors and hospital and the up and down and the roller coaster of emotions that go with this whole situation. And it was a shock to me that the first thing I felt was like a sense of calm. I didn't expect that at all. Um, obviously that feeling doesn't last forever. And then I just, I didn't expect to feel so many different emotions in such a short space of time. And, and, you know, anyone who believes that there's the, is it the seven stages of grief, they say, and that, you know, there's this lovely fluid pathway that you travel through them all. It's just nonsense. It's, it's, well, certainly it's from my experience, it's so much more jagged and it's so much less fluid. Um, and I didn't, I remember I turned around to a friend of mine about two days after my mum died, and I said, I said to her, she, her dad had died when she was quite young. She was a teenager, and I said to her, please answer me honestly. Will I ever be happy again? And she said, of course you will be. And I, I just, I didn't know how that was possible, but 
I have been, and that's no disrespect to either of my parents, but I didn't expect any of that. And I think my, my, my fear about death was obviously about losing the person that I love so much and that them never seeing them again. But it was also about, in a way, the idea that it might end my life as I knew it, which it, it's changed my life as I know it, but it hasn't ended my life as I know it. Um, and in a lot of ways, I'm prouder of the person that I am post my parents dying because of the strength and the resilience that I've, that I've shown and the compassion that I now feel and the ability to overcome some of the greatest pain in my life and still smile and still get up and still do what I need to do. And, and yes, of course, there are days where I just can't. And even now... I mean, it's not even been that long since my dad died. We're coming up to the three-year anniversary. But, you know, sometimes it is still really raw and I, and the pain is just so hard to bear. But grief and how debilitating it is is not something I really understood or even kind of had any real idea of until I experienced it myself. I think that you've just explained that perfectly because it, it is, in my experience as well, it's an absolute roller coaster. Like there yeah. are days where you don't know where you're, you're coming or going and you can be absolutely fine. And then the, the littlest thing can just kind of knock you right off the track. Um, it, it, is a, it is a minefield, I think, grief. But the way you described it it there was was, was beautiful. And I think what I have noticed from the work that, that you do and the things that you've, you've done, you have kind of put your grief to good use because you did raise money for charity after your mum passed away, didn't you? You did a, a Thames Bridge trek with your sister, is that right? I, I did, I did, yeah. The, I'm probably the most unlikely person to take part in anything sponsored like that. But I did, yeah, I mean... I, I did want to try and take some positives out of the situation, raise awareness. I started to give blood. Um, I've got involved with the Good Grief Trust. I've got involved with Marie Curie, but I was actually involved with them before my my parents passed away. But, yeah, just, just trying to, uh, yeah, raise awareness, raise money and do something good after this situation has, has happened. I was going to bring up the Good Grief Trust because I've spoken to Linda Magistris before on the podcast and she, she's the founder. And you're <coughs> actually an ambassador for the charity, aren't you? Um, can you just tell me a bit about what, what work they do? It, it actually was your podcast that I listened to and then I contacted Linda afterwards. Um, I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And um, I am an ambassador for the Good Grief Trust, and they provide, uh, they're an umbrella organisation that signposts you to the kind of help that you need uh, after you've suffered a bereavement. And, and they are just so compassionate and so caring. And once you get involved with the Good Grief Trust, you are part of a community. And I think when you lose somebody, you feel so alone. And it with no disrespect to my sister or any of my parents' friends or other members of the family, 
everybody is experiencing their loss differently because you have a different relationship with the person that died and, and your your life is different. And it's just, it's often difficult with those closest to you to kind of talk about the loss because you're all dealing with it in your own way. But the community of, of within the Good Grief Trust is, is great because you have other people that have experienced the death of a, of a loved one and they you just connect on a different level. You really do. And you're not trying to be anything other than yourself. And you don't have to apologize for how much the death of, of someone in your life has affected you and changed who you are as a person. And what the Good Grief Trust do as well, they do kind of pop up cafes, don't they? And do, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going to end this on, on food, but there is, you know, power <laughs> in just having a cup of tea and a, a slice of cake, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, that, this is this is what we need. We just need more human contact and we just need to talk. And I am a big, big advocate for talking and sharing. And that's not to say that all the time we feel like we want to do that, because believe me, a lot of the time I don't. But it does help to talk to people and share your situation, share your life, share the name of the person that died because you kind of keep them alive in a lot of ways by talking about them. And I think, you know, cake is a great sweetener and <laughs> makes everything a lot better as well. That was Susie Pelter, food blogger and demo chef. If you want to find out more about Susie, you can go to susiepelterbakes.com. That's S-U-Z-Y, susiepelterbakes.com. And also, like I said at the beginning, find her on Instagram because she knows where all the best treats are. I'm Katie Brain. You've been listening to Goodness Gracious Grief. <laughs>